Today on Behind the Headlines, we are talking with Jillian Van Strat. It is Michigan Emmy Award season, and we took home a bunch of awards. We will talk about all of them next on today's episode. And my co-host, as always, the one and only John Heiner. How are you today, my friend? I am suffering from seasonal allergies, I believe. I, I know it's not COVID because I just tested, but uh, tis the time of year in Michigan. So uh, uh, our listeners, I apologize for my my Wolfman Jack impersonation. I was going to say, don't apologize for the dulcet tones that we were getting today. Like you should just own it. <laughs> just own that uh, that sound. I, I'm gonna go gonna go like this for the Wolfman Jack sound for the rest of this interview. For, I'm sure people will love that for 45 minutes. <laughs> playing, playing the platters that matter. Okay. Okay, let's reel it back in here. I got a question for you, Eric. I, I think I know the answer to this. Have you ever been on the red carpet wearing your finest? I have, in fact, been on a red carpet wearing my finest, yes. I, I knew that uh, to be true. I, I think the only time I've been on a red carpet was at the Toyota Salathon, um, <laughs> test driving a car. <laughs> but uh, may, maybe before the end of my career, I will do something uh, meaningful for uh, an Emmy Award. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Very excited. Uh, this past weekend in Detroit, MLive, which is building on uh, some, some success in recent years on, on video storytelling, had another great showing at the Michigan Emmy Awards. And here to talk about it was someone who was on the red carpet that night, uh, the person who leads our video efforts here at MLive, Jillian Van Strat. Welcome to Behind the Headlines. I'm happy to be back. But I don't know who Wolfman Jack is. Oh! So I think think some of the audience, I don't know which demographic, might not relate to that. Thank you for that, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting in my retirement papers right after recording. Uh, uh, Listeners, uh, Jillian is our Director of Audience Development at uh, MLive. And that title encompasses a lot, which includes social media, our newsletter strategy, uh, our audio podcast like this. But also uh, in the last few years, Jillian's been overseeing the, the growth of our video reporting efforts. Uh, uh, back in 2016, uh, and I, I was uh, in my job back then too, we started our first video team here at MLive. Uh, up to that point, We'd have some photographers shoot some video. We'd used uh, syndicated video like the AP. Uh, one of our most popular forms of video was surveillance cameras from like, you know, gas station robberies and stuff. But we really didn't have a video strategy and didn't have a video team. And to be honest, I'm, uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew we needed to hire some people and do video. Uh, and so we did. Uh, and like putting in sidewalks and, you know, wait till you know, let's start walking and see where, where the sidewalk should go. And I'm happy to say that uh, first we, we did put a foundation and start growing. It, it was kind of slow going at first, but since Jillian has taken over, we've, we've really had a ton of success. And I think that's evidenced last three years. I think I'm wrong. Uh, I think I'm right, but correct me if I'm wrong. 13 Emmy awards for our video journalism. Jillian, first of all, congratulations about, uh, the uh, Saturday night, which is the culmination of another great year of video. Thanks. And why don't you uh, just at the top uh, tell our listeners uh, what we won for on Saturday night, the kind of work that uh, we did and the competition we were up against. Yeah. So um, 
there are a lot of, you know, the Emmys um, here in Michigan, it's the, you know, the Michigan, um, like having, you know, regional and stateside of those Emmy awards um, is traditionally a, a te- like a television broadcast dominated um, area and award. Um, but it's just based on, you know, videos. so there are, yeah, there are a few categories, you know, that don't work for us in our medium or whatever, maybe say like for anchors or for newscasts um, that are made that day or something, but any other category we can get our hands on, we've slowly been creeping into. Um, and they have a lot of long form categories and that tends to be a lot more where we um, specialize, which in long form in this sense is like a, a 10 minute documentary style video. Um, but this year we uh, made the three P we've, we've won the societal concerns category now for three years in a row, starting with that, the, how we got here project that we did um, with some, a Google news initiative. Um, and then, but it's just really um, it's, we laugh about it on our team a bit because I could say, Hey, I could throw an idea one year this year, we should try to make an Emmy doc on um, you know, gummy bears. And within a month, my team will have somehow turned that into societal concerns. So it's just happens to be like our default mode mold and our sweet spot, I think just kind of coming from, cause I've tried to bring kind of a newsroom journalist mentality to video, you know, versus um, just like an, like an entertainment style video. Uh, and that, so that's happened. So this year um, for the third year in a row, we won for societal concerns um, for a video made about environmental racism and environmental justice in Michigan and where that is mostly centering around a, a marathon plant in Detroit and the neighborhoods that surround it and suffer because of it, which are mostly black and low income. So they, the problem just doesn't get solved. Uh, and um, we also won with an offshoot while making that documentary, we ended up making a bonus documentary because we were looking into different areas of the state and already researching it. And we started researching um uh, graphic packaging in Kalamazoo and the north side of Kalamazoo. And it became such a big story that it became an entirely uh, a separate documentary that we did. And that uh, took home the statue in a health thing because the neighborhood there, a uh, uh, predominantly black, historically black neighborhood uh, in Kalamazoo has asthma rates that are some of the worst in the entire country. And it's everywhere. And it just, and, and the city, you know, Everyone is still waiting. That's a story still developing uh, that we report with the Kalamazoo Gazette on. Uh, and then we also won for a really cool one we did in the business category uh, on the Michigan bottle bill mm-hmm. and the whole Michigan deposit thing. Uh, and one of our favorite accomplishments of the year in, in getting uh, our argument approved legally for the fair <laughs> use of a Seinfeld clip, which felt like a real accomplishment, but also just really tight. It was in the original vision of that doc. It is what most people think of when they think of like Michigan cans and how we get 10 cents here. So uh, we really wanted that and that worked out. Um, And uh, that was a really good one. And our fourth one was Lori Chapman, our uh, senior video producer on the team and um, kind of my partner in in crime there on those documentaries over the years. And she uh, won for writing uh, and she won for her uh, script that she wrote for that bottle bill documentary. So um, that was actually like as a group sitting at the table, the one we were really crossing our fingers and headed for because we had all these teams things, but she is, this was her 11th 
Emmy. She and she literally has Meryl Streep problems where she doesn't want the statues anymore because she doesn't have anywhere to put them. And so I figure that's a you know some sort of Meryl Streep closet. She opens up, she's like, Ugh, what am I gonna do with these? And uh, you know, she's almost at the point to be like, just take my name off of it. And even if it's her project, because she doesn't have anywhere to put all the statues, but um, they were getting pretty used to her backstage. And I think the television stations were getting pretty tired of her just sweeping the categories. <laughs> so. You could tell uh, Lori to OJ Simpson and put it on eBay and uh, I'll <laughs> buy it because I have no Emmys on, on any of my shelves. Uh, <laughs> I am proud that I did contribute a script that got completely rewritten last year for a different video project, <laughs> but the, or the, it was part of the how we got here series. But, you know, I still use the shorthand. I think a lot of us do if you're somewhere with, at family reunion, they say, what do you do or whatever? And it's like, I work for a newspaper company um, because a lot of what we do, we have eight newspapers and our, our brands are really well known, but you, what you're touching on is some of the dimensions that we're growing, where journalism is growing because audience is changing how they, how they uh, consume information, where they get information. And the thing I'll say about these videos is um, the dimension it adds uh, if you, you know, we wrote some great stories about the environmental justice issue. Uh, those are fairly one dimensional. I mean, it's a good way to consume information and get informed. But to see the video, to see the families that are affected, to see the proximity of a playground to a factory that's spewing out, you know, contaminants um, is really effective as a form of storytelling. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's grown, like you said, so much over the years. And I, this is different. We haven't had an in-person Emmy Awards because of COVID things for years. And so Lori and I have never been in person, you know, for the moment where, you know, you, you see some clips of the nominations and you hear the names and you see the faces of, you know, some well-known TV broadcasters and stations that you're familiar with and, um, and then hear your name. But it really drove home the fact to sit in a physical space with all the other media there and see how dominated by TV it is. And I 100% respect, you know, journalism and all ethical journalists and everything. But it it really did kind of, um, it was a moment for us sitting there watching, you know, like MLive be called a lot because we were in, and Lori even said in one of her speeches, she was, um, you know, I was kind of proud of her. Not that she was dragging them, but when she mentioned her 11th, she's like, you know, we're more than just a paper. And it took, you know, we thanked MLive and the leadership at MLive, AKA you, more than once because it took forward thinking and outside the box thinking and outside our comfort and just to be practical, just investment of money and time and allowing us to do that because video's not cheap. I mean, we look tell them like they're all they're 100 percent invested in the visual medium. So they had need the trucks and the cameras and they need to run out to stuff. And it's their whole life. But MLive, not only are we now investing in video, but that's alongside, like you said, you know, long form deep dive pieces that, everyone, that is the reporting and really sophisticated databases, you know, and um, infographics. It's like we're doing all of the things. And I think sometimes that gets overlooked at, in terms of the identity of MLive is that we are all over the state and we're doing all of the things. And so you're there, you know, I think they're almost kind of felt territorial, like MLive didn't belong. But when we go into those categories and you see clips from our video, I'm, I'm not going to lie. And there's, I guess, no reason to be humble here. When we put our team to one of these video category projects, I'm not surprised if they win 
they're so we hold ourselves to a, apparently an odd high bar that like we can kind of get lost in it because we live like in the bubble of M Live. So we're so used to holding ourselves at standard. And then we see other stuff and we're like, ooh, we could probably win that category next year. We started taking <laughs> notes because we started seeing things. And we're like, when we enter, I can see why the quality of our work, it's just a, such a high production value, um, which took investment and some risk from yeah. M Live and the leaders to say like, we'll spend money on this and we'll let people like those projects take a long time, you know? So yeah. I'll give you an analogy is like, we have a TikTok account now and we have a social producer, a young social producer who's, who's, you know, uploading content to TikTok for those audiences. And if you were to ask me today, what's my strategy for conquering TikTok, I'd just shrug and say, I just know we should be there for now, you know? And, and that's how a lot of this gets started. And with video, well, if you go back to MLive being launched in 2012, one of our credos was we're going to follow our audience, you know, wherever they are in terms of platform. Um, print is essential for a certain cohort of our readers who have really been with us a long time. But uh, Facebook, um, you know, Twitter to a degree, Snapchat to a degree, but where audiences are going, we need to be there telling the kind of stories that matter because that's our mission in, in Michigan and the eight communities we serve. And so I just knew we needed video. But when we hired for video, I not knowing video, I just knew journalism. Uh, I went out and found people who knew video. And one of the things I'll say, and it's no knock on anybody, is how important it became in the first few years to, to meld that with a journalistic sensibility not just for how we tell stories or the standard we hold ourselves to, to your point uh, on how rigorous we are, but speed, <laughs> working quickly, um, the relevance of the material when the, when, the, when the issue is hot. You know, you can't write about an issue that's hot, like Black Lives Matter, and put the thing out two years later. It's got to be, you kind of have to match where the audience interest is. And I think that's where we struggled in the first few years, because I hired people who really knew video. Like, you know, from film production studios or ad houses and really what you've done and hats off to you and, and Lori and Lori was integral. I'll let you talk about her for a minute. And Lori would be here, except for she's up on almost a week long trip managing the video, video. Yeah. major video project for us in northern Michigan. You yeah. can talk about that, too. But talk a little bit about how we bridge that gap from just pure, you know, we are this, you know, legacy journalism newspaper company brought video in and struggled for a few years making it relevant. How did we then start to make it more relevant? Well, one, you like analogies. So I'll throw one back at you is Love that, them. you know, you're saying like you're hiring for video and then there was kind of a gap between that and the pace, let's say in which journalists work. And it's like where they say, you know, the NFL like that you can't coach big and like journalism might be a trade. I know you like to argue that and everything, but at the same I time, do. If you take somebody who doesn't have that wiring or that, you know, that overlap in terms of like how they're wired for journalism, it's really hard to just explain and teach what we really mean by like, you know, dropping everything and revving up to the pace of breaking news um, and then having stuff on the back burner that, you know, is going to be like your longer term projects. Um, and if you look at the video team now, the core of it um, with Lori Chapman is, you know, just our not like I mentioned, our senior video producer, but really just the, the top editor 
in the company, uh, editing video and the top you know, script writer and screenwriter there. Um, and Neil Blake taking over as kind of that, you know, a leader in, in shooting all these things and doing the audio and, and um, camera work for stuff. They both came out of our, they were there and not on the video team when the video team was formed. And some talents started kind of bubbling to the surface. They were already there. They were just, they were already journalists, but they were just had like skills that were kind of on the back shelf that were used because they were currently in other things. You know, um, Lori had been working so much in video at CNN and then at MLive, she was more in the DigOps realm. She was in the social. And when she got to video, it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> She's all of this, you know what I mean? And so we got lucky that things developed in a way to get her in the right position. And same with Neil Blake, he was a photographer, but he has wildly, um, just the, this innate sense of how to visual, like for visual storytelling. So he just had to learn a few, you know, a few skills in the way of, you know, how to use Adobe Premiere and like cut up video like that or how to get perfect audio, which is Eric knows is everything. And it's really difficult. And if you blow it, you have nothing, you have a bunch of unusable stuff. So, you know, he learned all of that really quickly. And now we have journalists who have a top video team. And if you start with only purely video, it's really hard to make them journalists. That's how I feel. Like you mentioned TikTok and social stuff. Like when I've hired for social producers, it's the same way. If I find it's easier to um, train a journalist in the tools of social media than it is to take someone who's been purely social media outside of journalism and teach them to be a journalist. And so I like to start with the core of a journalist and then see what sort of skills we can add. You're listening to Behind the Headlines, an MLive podcast. I'm your co-host, John Heiner, Vice President of Content, here with Eric Culcran, my other co-host. And today we're talking about the Emmy-winning MLive news organization. And our guest is Jillian Van Strat, oversees our video efforts here at MLive. Jillian, another thing at the start of the video efforts in Michigan here years ago, I think it was 2016. The one thought I had was we also need to make video culturally more ubiquitous in our mindset, you know, of all journalists. Like, you know, we go, I went out to the story, came back, you know, a, a fracas broke out. Did you get video? Oh, I'll go back. Well, it's over. Never mind. So, I mean, I wanted people to be kind of front of mind that video was part of the storytelling, right? And I think it was a slow going at first, but I think it really clicked at some point. And I don't worry about that anymore because we have so much great video all the time, including like drone footage and, you know, anything we go to, it seems like we, we capture video of really essential stuff. And one example recently was uh, the tornado that hit Gaylord, Michigan, uh, about a month or so ago. And, you know, we get a million content views, a million reads to our content, to our stories. But we also got over a million views of the various forms of video that we took uh, during that the few days that we were up there covering the worst part of that. So how, how have we made it a more of a cultural norm to, to bring video into everyday storytelling? Well, you're right. We had to kind of force the issue for a long time uh, with people, you know, with that thing. They would come back and they would describe something and it just sounded so visual that you're like, you got video of that, right? And when you hear no, you're like, oh, because you can't go back 
and get it most of the time, you know, unless it's an interview thing. Um, and you also can't just say, okay, for this assignment, we're going to do video on this one and you might get there. And then it's just an interview and there's nothing visual about it. Like you really have to, as a journalist for video to work well, think on your feet. We have to trust people's instincts in the field that if something crazy pops up, either your phone or, you know, whatever you have on you to just start grabbing video and we'll figure I always tell people, I'm like, we'll help you edit it later. We'll do whatever you want with it later. Like start recording when you're there or, um, you know, reporters were so used to using an audio recorder. And now it's like, well, if you just put your phone up and you shoot video of it, you'll also have the audio. <laughs> so we can get all those things. Uh, and obviously, you know, still cameras, SLRs have changed. You know, the DCLR game now has changed to the point where they're shooting 4K video. And so the equipment uh, has come along culturally speaking, you know, to, to do that where a photographer can't come back and, and say, you know, I couldn't shoot video. I was shooting. It's the same camera. Right. Um, but I think things also change. They have to repeat to people um, in terms of, like you said, going to audience, just like you were talking about with platforms and stuff, humans are shooting and consuming and watching video. And I'm not here to argue that that's been amazing for society. Uh, but Hey, you know, as long as the ship's going down, we're going to get ours during it. Right. So well, if everybody's going to be watching video and stuff, you know, uh, there's ways to do it in classy ways. And that's the number one thing that's being consumed in terms of is, is video. Um, so we do. Well, that. you know, I had, uh, growing up with, you know, I have kids and they have friends and I, I remember my son handed me my phone from his girlfriend at the time and I was trying to turn it so I could turn it the orientation and the video would flip and it, it wouldn't flip they had the lock on and the reason they had the lock on is because they like to lay on the couch on their side and watch videos <laughs> it's like what they do all day and so video yeah talk about this generation and how they consume information but I want to talk going back something you touched on briefly is the how much video is out there all the time all around us and the one uh, really a recent a strong example of that is the video of the shooting, the police uh, officer shooting a motorist uh, in, in Grand Rapids, which is a huge story over there. Uh, it was a black motorist and he ran from the cop and the cop ended up shooting them all captured on four video angles, right? You had the camera in the car, you had a doorbell camera, you had a, a witness. And so it's changed. I think it's changed the way people expect to see stories and what they expect, it's almost rare when you don't have a video that, that kind of of an event, you know, um, like when they say somebody got swept off a pier into Lake Michigan, like I, got, I expect to see video from somewhere. Right. But uh, anyways, it's become, I think, expectation. The second part is I may be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe all of our photographers and I know all of our videographers uh, are licensed drone pilots. How has that changed the, the game in terms of storytelling? Or is it just for aesthetics? Um, not everyone has their drone certification. It's quite a process and drones are expensive, but, and so is the insurance. But we have a lot, I, we have at least five drone pilots, if not six in the company right now. And uh, <laughs> aesthetics plays a huge role in that. Yes, the human, humans love drone footage, but they've always really loved aerial photography. I mean, uh, that bird's eye view, um, which, you know, in the film biz, like crane shots, that's what's amazing. We're, you know, opened 
every giant Hollywood film, you know, was the giant, you know, crane shot or hel- getting a helicopter and think of how cost prohibitive that was to do crane shots and to get and to rent helicopters and get those shots because that's humans just love it. They always have. And now the drones can be more in the hands of, um, you know, of regular people. Uh, and uh, the certification process and their rules are quite a thing. And we could have a whole podcast on the uh, legality and the not understanding of drone rules because most people will be like, don't shoot drone here. And, and it's not up to them. But like we said, with in terms, say, like the Gaylord tornado story, you can be up close with it, but that for people to understand the gravity of the destruction and how widespread it was, it required a view from above. Um, and so it's a lot more impactful. So sometimes, yes, it can be, you could just have a drone, you know, of Tequamanon and people would watch it eight times each, you know, for the rest of their lives. And that's great. And we'll give them that. It's eye candy a lot of times, but sometimes it also is necessary to complete the picture of what's really going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I talked about the vision I had six years ago, which was somewhat occluded because I didn't quite know where we were going. Now that we know a lot more and we've done a lot more and we've won 13 Emmys, what's your vision now for where we take video and, and how video can help us achieve our journalistic objectives? It's going right now. Um, right along with what my vision was in taking over in 2019, which was to get to make sure that video teams or the, the video department at a place like MLive or any, so any, you know, anything wasn't some sort of rogue entity or out on an island. I, my dream, and it's finally like really, really happening was to have it fully integrated and embedded in the newsrooms. So that we have a thing like Gaylord, you know, we can have because we we have so many markets and and local, you know, we our strength is how many different local journalism entities we are within one M Live, and so we can have that local crew there. For me to be able to deploy or embed a video journalist into any of those situations and have them work seamlessly with the newsroom has been where our greatest success is and our like our biggest strengths and power. So that if something like you mentioned with Patrick Loyola and, and how huge that was, not just like nationally, but in Grand Rapids, okay, we need more strength there as a newsroom. And so we can just beef up and we can add in a videographer to that. Somebody who's got a drone um, and, and knows the library and has all the equipment can do that to complement and just strengthen a newsroom. Um, and then we keep, you know, with someone like Lori, really, the possibilities are endless because, you know what I mean? It just keeps going. I, she just keeps winning those awards because she's the best at what she does. So, you know, how we, how we basically roll because it's journalism and we have to have a million things going at once is we, we try to always have a project in the back. And right now we're calling it the unnamed Lori Chapman project because we don't <laughs> want other competitors to know our, our next documentary but um is this news to me am i hearing this no from- you know but oh, you know okay. yes but don't be spilling beans um so uh so we have we always i always make sure that the team is working on at least one doc in the back and then we're doing all the day-to-day things and then right now they're on a lovable michigan trip up north as well so i mean that's what the team has become i think i told you before like now, when I deploy the entire team, we're calling it like the platinum package, which is from, <laughs> t- which is from talk to doc. 
<laughs> and this team of people can go out to something and they can get you the TikToks like, and I'm with you. That's because I want to be there. I think that it's right and professional that MLive is on TikTok. But until I see, you know, I need more receipts and results to invest more in it. Um, and then they can get the, you know, Instagram and Facebook. And so, you know, small videos, shorter videos, and then they can get an Emmy award winning doc. I mean, it's not too much to ask of our people, right? <laughs> uh, I will say this. Guy, people might have this image of our video team in a van, like the Scooby-Doo bunch <laughs> rolling around Northern Michigan. Oh, look, Kirtland's Warbler. Let's stop and get some video. I saw the planning documents for this trip. Uh, and it's, it's like shooting a movie. It's like blocking out a whole movie. The planning that goes into this, again, hats off to you uh, for leading that up. But the rigor and the planning that goes, it's no accident when you win awards like you do. It is, it is, I don't want to say it's a Hollywood production, but having worked on one of the docs, it was a multi-month, very, very involved and very planned out. So uh, credit. Knows, those are long days, you know, when you have to, but like, there's just no way around it when you go on the field and you're going to get multiple social and like put in a big video, like when he's done, um, you know, Michigan's best stuff and Michigan best days, like those are definitely 14 hour days and you string a few together, but that's why movie shoots are all condensed into the one thing because it just gets more expensive the longer you take to do it. So you just, you know, grind it out for, for a few days straight and then come back and start going through the footage. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, when, when will our, our listeners uh, start to see some of this lo very lovable, lovable Michigan content? If they're on our Instagram at MLive News, they're already seeing seeing some stuff because that's stuff that we can get out for the people immediately. And I, and I think there's some TikTok stuff there too. And then within the next week or two, they'll just start to get inundated, you know, with lovable Michigan up North content. So, or if they're on our website, they'll see it, you know, cause we'll have some stories to go alongside. So or they go to YouTube. We're everywhere. We are everywhere. And with summer here, it's uh, the perfect time for this trip. Hats off again to you, uh, to Lori Chapman, to your entire team who works on, on bringing this fantastic work to, to our listeners and viewers. And thank you, Jillian, for joining us on behind the headlines today. And thank you. We really, we really mean it. It's not just about thanking the boss. We were genuinely saying like we get, we're lucky. And we had that same speech every time to work at MLife because your support of those projects, you know, keeps us all on cloud nine. So you just bought yourself another year of video production. <laughs> I'm easy. Thanks so much. And thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. Big congrats to the entire team and of course, Jillian for joining us today. If you like what John and I are doing, like, comment, and share wherever you get your podcast. Till next week, he is John Heiner. I am Eric Halkren, and this is Behind the Headlines.